this is the Hunt Quietly podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. On February 8th, I gave a talk at the Montana Wildlife Society meetings in Butte in their plenary session. There were seven speakers somebody from FWP, Forest Service, National Park Service, BLM. There was a rancher that spoke. The hunting social media influencer, Randy Newberg, talked. And then after we all gave a presentation, there was a, a very lively discussion session. And uh, I, I, I hired a videographer for the event, uh, but that person didn't show. So I, I recorded my talk on my phone, and that's going to be this week's podcast. I apologize for the mediocre at best audio. I'm also going to be putting the talk on YouTube. So anyway, I hope you get something out of it. Good. Good. Go. I look handsome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. I am delighted to be here. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for coming to this talk. And thanks for focusing the conference on this critically important issue. Um, I really am appreciative that of, of the Montana Wildlife Society for focusing on um, this issue. So I think of this as a kind of a momentous occasion. This may be the first time in history that a conservation organization that operates in some respects in the hunting sphere has ever even flirted with the notion that perhaps, just maybe, recruiting more hunters onto the landscape isn't, best what, isn't what's best for the existing hunting community is not what's best for wildlife and is not what's best for the integrity of natural ecosystems. This is not a topic that could be addressed by any of the predominant sportsmen's groups, all of which have very close ties to the hunting industry. For those groups, the refrain has always been and will always be, we need to recruit more hunter customers to sell more products and collect more dues. The problem that the conference organizers have identified, cultivating respect for nature without destroying what we see, is real. If what you seek is a harvest permit, those have become increasingly hard to come by in this state and around the country. If what you seek is solitude, you're not alone. There are literally dozens, if not hundreds, of peer-reviewed studies showing a negative relationship between crowding and hunter satisfaction, between crowding and other outdoor pursuits. If what you seek is access to healthy wildlife populations, well, the science here, too, is clear. 
There are there's a plenty of peer-reviewed scientific literature that shows that intense hunting pressure and other human disturbance has negative fitness consequences, reproductive fitness consequences for a range of wildlife species. And it also affects their spatial distributions, pushing them onto private lands where public land hunters can't get to them. According to the Montana Wildlife Society's website, your goal is to provide science-based information for policy and education. Well, I'd submit that this research that I just discussed is highly relevant research. And I very much encourage you to center your messaging and other actions around it. And what of cultivating respect? Well, I am deeply thankful that there is a tremendous amount of respect already among U.S. citizens that play no role in causing the destruction, at least in the sense that the conference organizers mean it. The majority of Americans oppose drilling for oil in the Arctic Wildlife at the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, despite the fact that next to nobody has ever been there. The majority of Americans oppose removing protection and selling off federal lands, despite the fact that the vast majority of Americans live their entire lives, rarely if ever, out of the sight of a building. We have hundreds of government agencies, laws, regulations, NGOs, all focused on environmental protection, on conservation, and on managing terrestrial and aquatic ecosystems. All of this funded by the taxpayer and donations. Does this mean we don't need to educate and advocate and do more? Definitely not. The problems are probably worse than they've ever been. I'm sure they are, environmentally and ecologically. But there are certain things that I believe that advocacy does not look like. I don't believe that it looks like supporting companies and nonprofits that make money selling tickets to a packed stadium. And I don't believe that it looks like the making or the viewing of hunting content. I think that hunting content is an access-destroying machine. And this only exacerbates the problem because the more we're packed, uh, the more people we lose access to public lands, the more packed we are on the public lands, right? So this is this is intricately tied to the problem that the conference organizers are focused on. Hunting social media has turned hunting into a popularity contest where Bill shoots a bigger deer than John. Uh, so John then increases the size of his lease so he can get the big one next year. 
There are entire hunting shows based around the premise that they show you hunting content and then try to sell you or leash you the land where the, where the content was generated. These are working landscapes that are, have been bought up and turned into exclusive hunting properties. And just because hunting content is filmed on public land, that doesn't mean that it doesn't feed in to wildlife privatization. I've had people on my podcast and have reached out to me through email that took up hunting and leased land or gone hunting with leased land outfitters as a direct consequence of watching shows filmed on public land. When I, in my brain, roll the time back to 19, the mid-1980s, if I take out hunting television, a cable hunting TV, and then I move the clock forward, let's leave out the YouTube nonsense, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. The access picture that emerges contemporarily is infinitely better. So I encourage you to do that mental exercise yourself and see what you come up with. Right now, around the state, we've got private landowners here and there that have illegally gated off access to land. I don't think this would have happened if it was not for hunting content and hunting media. Hunting content and hunting media has created a very competitive market for access to wildlife. And of course you're going to have people that are willing to capitalize on that market any way they can, even if it's from dubious means. Another problem with uh, hunting media is that it, it incentivizes hunting for, for, for not unhelpful reasons. According to a 2018 poll of millennials, 40% would not go on a vacation that they couldn't post about on Instagram. And I wonder how many deer and elk and other wildlife are killed every year, primarily so somebody can put it on social media. I believe that anytime that a true sports person has their experience compromised by somebody with a selfie stick or a GoPro strap to their head or a camera crew trying to make statements about themselves and in a lot of cases sell products that injustice is served. It doesn't take a PhD research ecologist, though I am one, to realize that there are limitations on what natural ecosystems can handle. And I just don't believe that those limits should be being tested by people that are trying to draw attention to themselves and build platforms. One of the counter arguments I always hear is that the hunting population is aging and shrinking. And this is just not true. According to the most recent Fish and Wildlife Service report, and these are the best data we have, there are as many or more 16 to 24 year olds hunting now than in any other age bracket. And except for a 10 year blip 
between 1975 and 1985, there was many or more when we had a lot more land to hunt. There are many or there's as many or more hunters now than at any point in U.S. history. There's the argument that we need to generate hunting content, recruit hunters to fund conservation. And meanwhile, the, the funding picture is at historic all-time highs, and it has been, and it's been so for years. Uh, there's this idea that we need to generate hunting content and attract new hunters to maintain our, rep uh, maintain our reputation and preserve our rights. I find the argument that we need to put dead and dying animal content on social media and YouTube and what have you to protect our rights utterly bizarre, particularly when you consider that it has been directly responsible to hunting bans. I don't see, I, I'm aware of zero empirical evidence that putting more hunters on the landscape protects our rights. I believe that there's a very good chance if we increased hunters as a percentage of the population from 5% to 9%, it might even bring it to a head in the end hunting. It'd be twice as many people putting controversial stuff on the computer, on social media. Whatever the rationale, it does not appear to be working. According to the latest responsive management report, public acceptance has declined statistically significantly from 81 to 77% in just the last two years. I believe that we need a new generation of role models for hunting, for wildlife, for conservation. And I believe that these people need to be employed outside of the hunting industry and derive no financial benefit from the hunting industry. Because once you start to accept money from the hunting industry, you're no longer in a position to take tough stances. I could rattle off, in interest in time I won't, six or seven things right now that are so egregious, but you'll never hear a hunting celebrity even mention them, let alone have it be a part of their everyday messaging. So I'm hopeful. I look around here in this room and I see a lot of young folks, bright minds. And, and it's my hope that some of y'all have the passion and courage it would take to be the next generation of leaders. Because I believe when it comes to hunting, the current generation has done nothing but make things worse. My group is also trying to provide leadership. Uh, hunt quietly. We're trying to address some of the major cultural issues, cultural toxicity surrounding mine, the greed, the self-promotion. Uh, and I'm also involved in a nonprofit that I started with some friends that's now spreading across the country to other states called Hunters for Access. 
And what we do, and we're, what we do is we show appreciation to landowners that are enrolled in state programs like the block management program that allow public hunting. We do work projects, we give appreciation gifts, that sort of thing. So yeah, you can check out Hunters for Access at huntersforaccess.org. You can check out huntquietly.org. Uh, we also have an Instagram account and we're on, on Reddit as well. We're having a fundraiser for Hunters for Access. I've got some raffle tickets in the back. Guys, if anyone wants to have a shot at winning some pretty nice stuff and and uh, do do what's right for to thank landowners that are, that are allowing public access. Thank you.